Welcome to Smart in the City, the Babel podcast where we bring together top actors in the smart city arena, sparking dialogues and interactions around the stakeholders and themes most prevalent for today's citizens and tomorrow's generations. I am your host, Tamlin Shimizu, and I hope you will enjoy this episode and gain knowledge and connections to accelerate the change for a better urban life. Smart in the City is brought to you by Babel Smart Cities. We enable processes from research and strategy development to co-creation and implementation. To learn more about us, please visit the Babel platform at babel-smartcities.eu. So welcome back to another episode of the Smart in the City podcast. We have quite an episode lined up for you today. I am sitting in Stuttgart, Germany, which also happens to be the headquarters of Babel Smart Cities. And we are live at the Urban Future Conference. Um, We're a proud media partner. And if you missed it this year, definitely make sure to already make a note to not miss it for next year in Rotterdam. Um, It is one of my all-time favorite events of the year, and I highly recommend that you check it out. So without further ado, I want to travel north today to another episode in the Nordics, this time with Finland. So we have two guests today from the city of Helsinki who bring in their unique knowledge and backgrounds. Let me introduce you to them. So first off, we have Kaiser Reta Koskanen, I'm the head of climate at the city of Helsinki, Finland. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure to have you. And with her today, um, her counterpart, uh, Susa Erranta. A product director for climate mitigation, city of Helsinki, and the professor of practice at Alto University. Welcome, Susa. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to have you both here. And I'm really excited to learn more about everything Helsinki is doing and all of your different ways of thinking. Um, so first, I would like to start us off warming us up. I, I should say cooling us down because it's like 30 something degrees here in Stuttgart. It's a heat wave. So um, let's call it a cool down for now. Um, but could you tell us maybe little known facts about Helsinki? Do you have anything that comes to mind? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think one of the things that uh, people usually don't know about Helsinki is that most of it is actually sea. So two thirds of Helsinki is actually sea and only one third of it is land. Ah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And actually uh, Helsinki Metro is the, the most northmost metro in the world. So we are very proud of that. Oh. You know, if you, if you want to try a very north kind of experience, you can come and visit Helsinki and, and take a metro ride. I, I would love to also. I've never been actually, so I hope to visit you soon, <laughs> sometime soon. So, um, so Kaiserita, can you tell me a bit about your background and your story? What led you to, to your position today and what are you most passionate about? Yeah, I have, I'm a physicist on my background and I've been always uh, very interested about the numbers and also environmental things. I graduated a little bit more than 20 years ago, and uh, I went to work for a Finnish telecom company called Nokia. And, and uh, I was there about 10 years, and during those years, I, I got more and more into the environmental and uh, energy things. Uh, the last years while I was working in Nokia, I was in Brussels, and uh, then I got that kind of a climate uh, awakening, you could say. You know, I realized that this is this is something I really want to, you know, to work for. 
And I came back to Finland. And after that, I, I, I have been working for the government of Finland and also an organization, uh, environmental organization, Greenpeace. So I was working as an uh, energy and climate campaigner for Greenpeace Nordic. And, and then about a little bit more than four years ago, yeah, uh, you know, I got a call from city of Helsinki and, and they asked me to, to come to work for them as during that time as a project director for a climate uh, program. And, you know, when somebody calls you from the biggest city of the Helsinki and asks you to, to come to lead the program, you know, in that, that kind you of situation. Say no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't say no. So, and, and, you know, here we are. So two years ago, the climate unit was established. So before that, I was, you know, uh, working as a project director. But, but then two years ago, exactly almost two years ago today, so it, it was started. And, and now we are growing fast and then we are doing a lot of, also, you know, not the mitigation, but also adaptation in our unit. Cool. So that's the story. That's the story. 20, 20 years in, <laughs> in a nutshell. It's a cool background. I always love talking to people who have such a mixed background. And uh, it's interesting to hear how they came about coming to this position today. So, um, Sousa, I would like to ask you the same question. <laughs> how did you come to your current role? Yeah, it has also been a lengthy part, like Kaisareta. So, um I'm originally an architect and an urban planner, and I have worked quite many years for uh, diverse scales of urban planning in municipalities, uh, mostly in the Helsinki region. And then during those years, I somehow realized that maybe we are not yet doing our best with the climate issues, for example. So maybe two years ago, um, I uh, changed to the Helsinki region level to head the climate and circular economy operations. Uh, and then uh, um, one year ago, um, Kaisareta had a really interesting post uh, open at the city of Helsinki to work in the climate unit. And I decided that that's like really hands-on job with the climate task. So I decided to come back to the city of Helsinki and now work with the climate issues. And also simultaneously, I'm working in the academia. So I'm uh, also trying to teach the uh, future generations of planners to also uh, acknowledge these planetary issues and uh, climate issues as well. Cool. And and how um, how do those two roles actually interact? Um, the the professor role and and your role at Helsinki. I think they interact actually quite well, because also this work that I'm doing in Kaisaretas unit is uh, quite academically founded, I would say, that we are doing really much uh, meteorological development and also uh, collaborating with scientists and so on. So it's also good to, in a way, speak their language and understand how to actually bring those more theoretical thoughts into practice. Yeah, and I think it's also another way around, because, you know, Susa now have a very a concrete and hands-on experience that what are the challenges in the city. So if you are only working on the academia, I, I think that it could be very easily happen that you get quite far from the real real life, so to say, real life problems. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's a, you know, win-win situation, yeah. basically. Yeah, I imagine those feeding into each other quite well. So um, yeah, absolutely. So can you both set the scene a little bit on what is happening in Helsinki right now? Uh, what makes the situation unique in Helsinki? What challenges are shared with other cities? Maybe Kaisereta first? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the big picture is that the biggest part of emissions are coming from heating. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's more than 60% at the moment. We have an energy company which is fully uh, owned by the city, but it's a limited company. So we have a limited ways to, to um, force them to do things because it's mar- working on the market. Uh, then, you know, the second biggest part of the emission is coming from the traffic. It's about the 25% at the moment. And the rest is uh, electricity and uh, everything else. And everything else and the electricity part, they are not the problem for us. The, the electricity is getting clean on the Nordic market very fast. Uh, but but really the traffic and the heating, they are the, the biggest, biggest headache. Uh, but what makes the situation unique, you know, is that we have a very strong mandate from our uh, leaders. Um, the um, uh, climate change target or the climate uh, emission reduction target is included on the city strategy. The climate uh, is one of our four, uh, that kind of, you know, main project at the moment. We have a mayor leading the program group. City manager is is leading or the whole, uh, chairing the operational group. You know, we really have this kind of very good situation from that perspective that there is a mandate to do and, and you know, to, to implement things. It's, it's uh, and I think that that's, that's something we really should be very grateful uh, enabling, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Enabling, yeah. And the city of Helsinki is, is doing uh, quite well, you know, from economical perspective. So we are doing profit. So it also gives us some freedom. So it's easier to get, to make investment, needed investments and, and, and things like that. So that's the big picture in, in, in short. Yeah. Anything to add there, Susa, or she covered it? I think she covered it mostly, <laughs> maybe... Just one uh, key issue that maybe differs Helsinki a bit from the others is this very strong focus on the effectiveness of climate work. So we have really worked to kind of re-establish the climate program, for example. Uh, so it's more target-oriented and especially focusing on the most effective actions. And that's in a way quite unique. I haven't seen that approach very explicitly elsewhere. Yeah. Can can you maybe put that a little bit uh, clearer for the listeners? What does that actually look like in practice? Yeah. The, the first climate program we had about the five years ago, it, it had 147 different accents. And the accents were really uh, small scale, if, if you could say so. So there were, you know, things that you, we should, you know, uh, in, increase the number of the Palette uh, planting, palette agriculture on the city, and we should, you know, uh, promote commuting to do to your workplace by bike. There were that kind of very very weak access, and we realized that you know it's not going to it's not going to work. So with this kind of very small access, we are not going to reach our target. You know, all the big access, like you know, which which were really reducing uh, emissions, were missing. And now we, you know, put all the small accents on the side. So we, we are we are saying that, you know, not every accent is needed. You know, because we very easily in this climate bubble, we are repeating and, and just saying that every small accent counts and everything is important. And we are saying, no, no, everything is not important. The big things at this point of the climate change, they are important. And we are focusing on those. And how they differ from the earlier version of the program is that they are very engineering kind of, you know, accents. They are they are not sexy. 
They are not very easy to understand. They are actually quite boring ones. It's like that, you know, you have to add insulation on the houses. You have to change to the geothermal. You have to in in increase number of the solar PVs. You have to use a low concrete, low carbon concrete. They are that kind of, you know, very engineering kind of, you know, accents. But they are the accents we are doing to mile. You know, it's it's they are the accents we are really reducing emissions. You know, and everything else is just that kind of, you know, uh, funny things we could do, but they are not going to save us. And that's, that's you know, how it really differs. And we, we are calculating a lot. As I said, you know, I'm a person who loves numbers. So we calculated, you know, on daily basis. You know, we, we are trying to really estimate that, that how much every accent is reducing uh, emissions. What is the cost, you know? How fast emission reduction reduction is 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 going to to come and and you know it's it's very that kind of as Susa said you know science based also, yeah that that, that that kind of thinking is behind everything we do yeah. but but of course you know it looks very it looks very very different comparing to the first person of the of the program yeah I think that's very important and I guess those measures could be sexy to some though right they're like sexy to the engineers and uh, yeah, sexy, sexy to, to me. <laughs> But and yeah. there there are other other people. But you know, for example, I was uh, I was super excited because you know we decided that you know in every infrastructure construction you know in Helsinki we are going to use a low carbon uh, concrete, and I was super excited about it. Mm. And now I have found one person you know who is also excited about it. And I was like, okay, this is the celebration. I, I can get excited about that. I can I can be your third person to get yeah. excited about it too. But, but, but it's it's yeah. they are they are not that kind of you know obvious fun because yeah. you know people very easily they think that you know uh, the climate change um, <clears throat> mitigation is about the green roofs or it's about that kind of you know putting that kind of recycling uh shelves on your house and things like that but they are really not that kind of things which are making a big effects mm -hmm. they are nice to have things but you know if we are only focusing on those and we are not doing the big ones you know we are going to lose this fight yeah yeah absolutely so yeah Susan, you want to add there yeah i would maybe say that we are now focusing on in a way making the the frame of urban life more uh, climate friendly in a way so that it's not up to the individuals only to make the changes in their lives but also the city is taking the responsibility of changing the issues that the city can in a way change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So are you saying that do you do not focus on, um, I guess, behavior change and stuff in citizens? Is that not a focus of yours or are you still <coughs> focusing on that? We are focusing on that, but, you know, not traditional way, mm -hmm. because, you know, I think that the traditional way to uh, try to change behavior is, is through education and through information. And we don't do that. Mm -hmm. But we are, for example, trying to uh, make people to, to be more active on their daily life, you know, like, you know, choosing more uh, climate friend ways of transport, for example. But we are doing it by, you know, making parking and walking infrastructure better. And we are trying to, you know, like, because, you know, one of my friends who is, is working on the on the physical activity program always said that the human being is, is like a water, that it's, it, he or she is always trying to choose the easiest way Yes. And and we are very lazy and you know we don't want we don't want to make that kind of you know extra effort. And that's you know the only way we are able to make the people to make 
right choices is to make those right choices very easy for them. And this is, you know, what we are trying to do. This is really, we are trying to, you know, change the behavior, but not the traditional traditional way. Yeah, I'm a big, big proponent of that, actually. I, I, I talk about that a lot, about how people... People will just choose the thing that's easiest for them, and that's the most convenient. Convenience trumps almost everything in how people function. And um, you can choose, uh, even if people you show people two routes where this has cleaner air and this has dirtier air. If that takes ten minutes longer, they will choose the dirtier air most of the time. I think. Yeah, and I'll, I will do <laughs> yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> we can't blame anyone. Right? Yeah, we, because we, we're busy. We we would choose the most convenient. Thing yeah, and us, I, yeah. I think we have been uh, sharing information about the climate change and that. Kind of environmental friendly choices already like 20 years at least. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not much has has changed. So I think we have tried it already. And, you know, it doesn't work. We have to try something else. And I think uh, like lately we have also made these calculations of how big actually is the impact of these individual actions. And I think Kaisareta can share some really kind of interesting examples of how low the impact actually is, uh, even if all of the Helsinki residents would do some of those things. Yeah, because, yeah, I already told I love numbers and I love calculations. So we calculated. It was that kind of, you know, a finger exercise at the beginning. That's kind of, you know, inside joke a little bit. We, you know, created that kind of imaginary friend called Beck. And and then we calculated that if Pekka is, is going to reduce the temperature of his own, you know, apartment by three degrees and reduce uh, sour, you know, like 25%. So it's going to take, you know, shorter sours and switch off the lights he is not needing. Uh, the carbon footprint of Pekka is going to be reduced by 2.88%. So, and if we think that that kind of sustainable level is that you have to reduce your carbon footprint like uh, 80 or 90 percent, so it's it's quite far. It's mm -hmm. very, very far. It's it's less than 3 percent. And if every resident in, in Helsinki is going to do the same, so everyone, and we know that, you know, not everybody is, is going to do the same, the effect for the city's uh, emission is 0.5 percent. So we, we don't think about this kind of thing. So the, the numbers, they are very, very low. Yeah. So how do we balance? Um, okay. So does that mean no one, no one is responsible, you know, like, can we not hold anyone responsible then for your own personal actions? Or are you just focusing the actions on the systematic changes and hoping that draws the people to behavioral change? Um, it's a little yeah. bit bold. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I think the main issue now is to make the systemic change so that the city in a way itself also lays the foundation for sustainable life so that not so much is dependent on whether an individual acts sustainably or not, but that the city makes it more easier to do those sustainable actions. Yeah, and, and you know, some at some point of the, the process we also need individuals. But the individuals needs to do needs to do right actions. And not concentrating and not use all their energy on, on the that kind of small things which it's changed close to nothing. But for example, we, we uh, as I said, you know, heating is a big part of emissions in Helsinki. 
And uh, we started a couple of years ago that kind of energy renaissance program in Helsinki. And it's basically the idea is that we hired engineers working for the city and they are helping housing associations to, to make uh, energy renovations because we found out that the energy renovations, they are very difficult for uh, normal lay people who are normally running housing associations in, in, in Finland. And so uh, at that point, we uh, did a marketing campaign. We said that, okay, do the biggest climate action of the year. Now we need your help and you need to act. And the act we asked them to do, to ask, was to go to the housing association meeting and propose that we should study, you know, if there is a you know a room for an energy renovation in 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 our housing association, and then you know we were as a city we were able to send the engineers to help the the, uh, the the housing associations. And for example, you know, by doing this, you could reduce uh, sixty or seventy percent of the energy consumption of the whole housing association instead of focusing on your own single apartment in the house. And the effect is like, you know, it's 100 time, times bigger. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, it's it's a little bit, you know, as an old NGO person and, you know, have been working, working also on that side, you know, it's, um, we should look on the mirror also because, you know, we are, as, as an NGO workers, we are promoting very much on those uh, small individual things. And we are not telling people that what they really should do you know of course everybody is speaking about the voting but you know outside of that you know we, we just you know we're speaking about the plastic bags and and solder sours and we we don't give uh, people uh the right uh, tools to act because I, at least i think that there are many people who really want to do more yeah yeah, yeah but but they, they just you know there is not that kind of you know knowledge you know what what they can do yeah Absolutely. Um, so Kaiser Ruta, you're the you're the numbers person. As uh, Susa, what 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 do you like to focus on? <laughs> I think currently I'm focusing very much on these um future study methods, maybe because um the carbon neutrality target that we have now been mostly talking about is not the only target that Helsinki has set. It's the first and maybe the easiest target on a way um, to, to mitigation. But uh, actually, after uh, carbon neutrality, we have also set a target for carbon zero and even carbon negativity. And if we consider the carbon negativity target, which is more about these regenerative cities, maybe, uh, so it's um, going to be a very different kind of a future. And now that we have been trying to concretize what it would actually mean, uh, we have had some issues because it seems that the, uh, in a way, the willingness to imagine this kind of different futures um, is quite limited, uh, and uh, we should need some new methods, maybe, to somehow encourage this imagination of thinking about good life in a carbon-negative city. Because now we are mainly focusing on issues which we need to give up on to reduce the emissions. But we actually believe that um, the carbon negative city could also bring many new good features with it. And we would somehow like to um, encourage this imaginatory journey towards a carbon negative city <coughs> also for the others, but it hasn't been too easy yet. <laughs> yeah, it's like people are like, okay, one step at a time. <laughs> Let's get to carbon neutrality first and then we can go into. But I, I love that you're thinking that step ahead. Can you can you show us a little bit? What does that look like for you? What are some of those uh, 
like I, of course it doesn't have to be based on um science i'm just asking for a little bit of your imagination like what what do you what do you believe that that would look like what would be the benefits there yeah well we think that uh, in a carbon negative city for example this active mobility that kaisareta was already before referring to i uh, should play a more bigger role than now for mm-hmm. example and maybe also the services should be more local that you would find some of the basic services already in your neighborhood and wouldn't need to travel around the region to find those basic services and i would also say that it would mean uh, that we also adapt to the climate change because changes are going to happen even if we would be carbon negative today so maybe also having more unpaved ground ground in the city mm-hmm. for example and maybe even more greenery mm-hmm. and also uh, aspects of this more uh, passive resilience in a way so that um, yeah many kind of things which would I think would also um, improve the individual level health and also the planetary well-being as well yeah yeah absolutely what do you think is like the biggest lesson that you want your students when you're teaching them to take away with them about these topics yeah uh i think that the one one main lesson that i'm trying to give them is that um there are no right or wrong answers at this point but the main issue that they should learn there and that we should also learn in practice is critical thinking of actually thinking about um, are these actions that we are doing actually taking us towards these targets? Because usually we utilize many of these planetary targets, whether they are about climate or biodiversity or anything else, we are just utilizing them mostly for branding, I would say, in many cities. And still the concretization of those and actually reaching the targets, it's still like long way ahead. So also um, encouraging them to think critically about the uh, existing practices and methods and tools that are utilized of uh, what are the what is the data actually telling us and where are the tools actually leading us to because they might already have these some of uh, built-in features that are taking us to a very different future than the aims that we have actually set. Yeah, absolutely. There's also this greenwashing that happens within cities too, right? We usually think of this that companies are doing this, but actually cities cities do this too. So um, Kaiserita, I love your stories about what's happening in Helsinki, about some of these measures. What Do you, do you have any other use cases or best practices to share with the listeners <coughs> on what Helsinki is doing that are the most effective measures? Yeah, I think that, you know, we are a uh, forerunner on the, on the building construction. Mm-hmm. And so uh, since day one, you know, we started to think about also, you know, the scale. As Susa said, you know, we have to think about, you know, how far we are able to uh, get with these uh, accents. And then we decided that, you know, we don't have time for piloting anymore. So we have to, uh, you know, go all in. And we have, for example, a set uh, requirement for the energy efficiency of the building. It's not only for the building city owns, but about through uh, city planning regulation, we have set uh, energy efficiency requirements for all the buildings which are going to build to, to the city. And actually yesterday evening, so it's uh, it's uh, mm. straight from the press. So uh, city council decided that in future we are going to start require a certain carbon footprint for the for the buildings. 
and and that's other you know because it's it's every single building which is going to be built so those are the effective ways and they are also this is like a hint for the other cities they are very cheap you know because it's just you know uh, changing the regulation it's it's it does not cost anything for us. It's just that we say that you know if you want to have a, a plot, if you want to build something here, you have to fulfill these requirements. We are we are using a low concrete uh, infrastructure, um, a low carbon infrastructure concrete. Uh, we are investing a lot on the on the biking infrastructure because we think that the the infra infra and infra are the three important things you know to increase uh, biking share. We are building a lot of uh, public uh, rail uh, transport at the moment. Um, what else? We have this a team of wonderful engineers helping the private households to do their part. Uh, what else am I missing? Something we have, yeah, and, and the geothermal, my you know, my love. <laughs> we have been working. We have done a lot on on the geothermal to trying to make it easier. So, for example, uh, one year ago we decided that you know if, if you are not able to get enough energy on your own from your own plot, you are able to put um, your energy wells on the on the city city land. So if there is a road or a park nearby, so you can use the the city property to to get enough uh, geothermal we are reducing the the permit uh, pills and 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 things like that so susa can you did i forget something no i think those are the main the concrete actions but i also think that what we need uh, in many cities is this change in the way of thinking about thinking about this scale, I really much like uh, whether it was Kaiseret or somebody else who utilized this metaphor that if uh, we should get to the moon tomorrow, it's not enough if we get to the neighboring kind of locations in a way that we should actually think about what are the actions that are going to take us uh, far enough uh, with the target that we have set in a way. So I think this is something this calculation and also understanding of scales and understanding of the numbers and measures and so on. That's in a way the, the main issue with, with these mitigation targets in the near future, because all of the cities have scarce resources, all of the cities have limited time. So in a way, there is not no time or resources also to waste on these actions, which are not actually leading us closer to those targets. I, I always like to say that it's not about not having time. And I think it's the same about resources. It's just about prioritization. And I think that's really what you, what you are doing is prioritizing what really matters. right? Exactly. You know, yeah. we are con concentrating on what we must yes. and should do instead of, nice you know, what we could do. Yeah. And I think that there is a big difference between these two. Yeah. But it's I understand it's it's very easy to focus on those easy, nice happy shiny accents because no one is is opposing them and you know they are very easy to implement and and to get approved but you know when you are really having these kind of big things you know there is always somebody you know opposing and it's it's always like a big fight so it it, it requires a little bit stamina mm -hmm. to to you have to be a person that nobody can say no <laughs> you're, you're one of those people, huh? I am. <laughs> yes, I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> Susan's looking like, mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, love it. Um, so actually, Kaiser Reto, you you actually told me before this that you're going to be part of um, Urban Futures Fuck Up Night. 
I will. <laughs> and I'm super excited. <laughs> yes, I'm excited to hear you too. I'm very excited. Um, and I actually wanted to ask you um, about, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a mistake. We like to call it the biggest lesson learned. Um, but I know that also in Helsinki, you want to fail fast. Um, and that's your your, your motto. Um, so, so can you tell me about some of those times where you failed fast? Um. I think that it, it was actually Susa who, who did this. And this is like, you know, the I'm a very good loser. So I'm, you know, queen <laughs> of embarrassment. You know, I do stupid things every day and, you know, Same. I'm like, <laughs> okay. But, but, you know, the moment I really felt ashamed, I was really feeling bad, you know, was when Susa did that kind of analyzing of uh, the accents we had on the first program. And I knew that, you know, they were not the best accents and they were, they were quite weak. But Susa did that kind of evaluated, uh, made a method to evaluate accents, and uh, only five accents out of 147 was accent which was really reducing emissions. And so at that point, I was like, you know, I was almost losing my good spirit, and that does not happen very often. <laughs> but but it was really that kind of, you know, I felt the same, and and that was, you know. You know, immediately when I saw the, the first idea, you know, I had was that, you know, let's, let's do not show these numbers to anybody. <laughs> yeah. but, but the second idea is that, you know, we should use this method, you know, in future. We, and at the moment we are using, we are, every accent we put in our program, you know, we are, we are, you know, putting on the, on the table and, and the categories and we are seeing that, you know, if it's really that kind of effective or not. Yeah. And actually we have uh, compiled this guidebook about all of the mistakes or the lessons learned and what we learned about those. So it's also available online. So if anybody wants to check, there are all of the lessons learned with oh, some good. explanation of how we think we might do it better uh, in some other way. Oh, good. Yeah, we will try to link to that in the show notes too for people to, to check out. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that as well. I know the first reaction, of course, we're all human, right? Is to say, oh, push this in a closet. No one, <laughs> no one has to see this. This is shameful. Um, but it, it really is this different way of thinking that you're putting out on the table. So I really appreciate that. Um, that's wonderful. So Susa, did you have something to add? No. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, I always like to give you all also the option of an open floor. Now I know we've talked a lot about uh, different actions that you're doing. Um, some about the numbers and effectiveness. But is there anything else that we miss that you really want people to know today? Well, I can start uh, maybe with the more long-term goals. That simultaneously that we are thinking about this carbon neutrality and so on, we should make sure that we don't make any lock-ins for in a way locking the emissions to a specific level, for example, but we should keep in mind that it's not enough to get the emissions to zero, for example, but we should get those below zero in a way to also decrease the carbon from the atmosphere. So in a way also to leave the room open for uh, the regenerative futures and also start to think about those futures because they are not maybe decades away, they are quite nearby uh, and now we don't have very much uh, concrete ideas of um, how those might be actually um, made. Yeah and, and I would like to challenge all the other cities uh, to do this kind of you know critical evaluation of the world their work because you know when we did it it was a painful 
it was not the you know walk in the park it was shameful you know at, at, at certain points but it was really really helpful and i think that you know next time we are going to fail better at least but it's it's uh because in in this climate bubble and i count myself in it, it, we have that kind of you know a darlings we really should kill or at least we should you know really uh, you know evaluate if if they are valid you know claims anymore like you know the, every every accent is important and every accent counts or that you know everybody has to participate to creating this kind of plans and you know we really should you know we have done we have used those kind of you know uh, beliefs like a 20 years or at least 10 years but, you know, we are not getting very far. So I think that we really should evaluate and, and see, you know, be that kind of honest and, you know, true to ourselves, at least, that is this really the way we should go for art. And that's the challenge I really would like to, 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 to draw to the other cities that, you know, and, and we are failing and we are telling everybody, you know, I'm going to, you know, embarrass myself tomorrow <laughs> evening on the city, fuck up night and, and tell everything we have done wrong. And so it's, 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 that's the way how we are able to learn. And I think that, you know, everybody should change the, to, to join this, uh, this uh, failing fast a team and to share their learnings because because it, it does not make sense that, that everybody is, is making the same mistakes and, and inventing the wheel on their own. So I think that, you know, not only, you know, telling what, what was the success, but also, you know, tell, telling that what does not work, that do not try this, it does not work, we already did it. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Um, so now that's the, you're, you're done with the main interview part. Now we just get to play a little game. <laughs> and uh, so this is one of my favorite segments that we do. It's called Roll with the Punches. Roll with the Punches. Answer this or that questions quickly and with your first instincts. Um, so there are some silly ones, some more serious, but basically they are meant to um, get a conversation going about some of these. Um, so Susa, you will answer first, and Kaisareta, you will answer directly after her, um, and we'll go through them quickly. And then at the end, if you want to explain any of your answers, you can. Okay? Are you ready? Yeah, <laughs> ready as you'll ever be. Right? Um, all right. Shared vehicles or electric vehicles? Shared vehicles. Same. Spring or autumn in Helsinki? Spring. Same. <laughs> no, you have to disagree. No. <laughs> Effectiveness or data? Effectiveness. Ah, uh, this is a difficult one. Uh, effectiveness. But data is also important. <laughs> <laughs> Behavioral change or techno technological innovation? Behavioral change. Technological innovations. <laughs> Energy renovations or public transport planning? That's hard. <laughs> both. Energy renovation, maybe. Both. You can't but pick both. I, I, I have to choose. Because... <laughs> you should uh... pick the other one so we can have both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I have to say energy renovation okay. also. <laughs> Local initiatives or collaborating with international organizations? Listeners can't see your face. <laughs> I think we have to. <laughs> she is in like a, a turmoil inside on this Neither. one. <laughs> yeah. 
I would ask why. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if either, then maybe the international international organizations. I would go on the on the local. Local. Wind power or solar power? Wind power. Wind definitely. Podcasts or audiobooks? Podcasts. <laughs> audiobooks. <laughs> no, you, you you have to leave now. <laughs> Wrong, wrong answer. Wrong answer. <laughs> there are some wrong answers. <laughs> climate education in schools or public awareness campaigns? <laughs> climate education in schools. <laughs> Same. Okay. Yay! Good job. Good job. Um, there was a there was a few tricky ones in there. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about them and explain any of your answers? Um, we had the effectiveness that, or data that put you in turmoil, um, Kaiser Reuter. <laughs> yeah, it's it's because I, I think that we need both. We need yeah. a data to to make that kind of you know data comes first, and then you choose yeah. what's effective. Yeah, but but it's in in many cases we think that we need a lot of data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you know, in in our first program, we had two hundred eighty different indicators. And most of them we could not, you know, update because we didn't have data. And that, that those were not needed. You know, mm-hmm. if you have, you know, one goal to be carbon neutral and reduce emissions, you know, then you probably need a couple of, you know, indicators to see if you, if you are going on the on the right direction. But I think that we need, uh, you know, a certain amount of data to be effective, but, but not, you yeah. know. Too much. Yeah, makes sense. Because it is we can easily very easily waste a lot of time just to collect data. And it's it's away from the other things we, we can do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We are currently very much focusing on producing data on anything that comes to mind and also developing methods for analyzing that data. But uh, I think that what we lack most is not the data, but actually the the willingness and the attitude to change the things towards the more effective actions. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, you also disagreed on behavioral change and technological innovation. Do you want to explain your different viewpoints? It's probably yeah. a, a similar, but yeah. yeah, I think yeah, I think my main focus was that uh, we could actually solve these issues already now without having more innovations. It comes back to this willingness and this attitude. So in a way, it's about the behavioral change of also all of us uh, to make these things happen and not just think that we need many more innovations so that any of these could be possible. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. So maybe it's a technology without innovation, because I think that we don't really need uh, new innovations at this point. Mm-hmm. We we have a technology we we need. We have most of the technology. Yeah, we have, yeah. we have. Mm-hmm. But and I, I think that I have probably a little bit lost my belief in human beings and, and how they are able to change their behavior. So uh, and you know I don't I don't I don't I don't want to count on that. Yeah, yeah, because I really think that we have to find other ways to, to to solve this problem because we're running out of time, you know. Yes, time is ticking. Yeah. Um, good. I, I will leave it at that. I think the other ones are pretty clear. Um, unless you have something else to argue about, um, any, any contradictory points? Okay, <laughs> then we just have one last question, and it's a question that I ask every single guest. Um, and it's to you: What is a smart city? Whoever wants to go first. For me, a uh, smart city is a um, city with which uh, functions well. 
So I, I don't, I don't, you know, many people think that the smart is something uh, about the digitalization or, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. But for me, it's, it's not, not like that. It's, you know, a city which operates and functions well. Yeah, you know, even absolutely. if the solutions are stupid or smart, but, you know, <laughs> if, if it works well, you know, it's fine for me. Yeah, absolutely. Susan? Yeah, I think a smart city is a one which uh, respects life in all of its uh, all forms. So in a way, the one that balances the, the planetary livability with the human livability and doesn't just uh, prioritize the human livability over everything else. Yeah. Absolutely. Very good. So with that, we made it through. It's very hot. <laughs> so we, we did really well considering the heat. So huge thank you also to um, Urban <coughs> Future Conference um, in facilitating all these great episodes and all the learnings and interactions. And thank you really to both of you today for coming and speaking to me. I think you had really amazing insights to share with so many other cities. Um, so hopefully we can keep uh, failing faster together. Um, so thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, don't forget you can always create a free account on babel-smartcities.eu. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life.